Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we're closing out the week here in the NBA with a kind of light schedule from what we're used to when we get those big slates in the NBA on Fridays. But we've got four best bets in this video for you. Also have our play of props up for you. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page and keep coming back each and every weekday this season. Also want you to head to thelines.com and use that prop finder tool up there to make sure that you're getting the best odds available to you from all these books that are giving us bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first best bet here for the night. Yeah, I mean, talk about opening line value. Houston was minus two and a half with a, with a total of 232 when this game first came up. Dallas is at Houston. They're going to be without Luka, Kyrie, Dante Exum, Derek Lively, maybe more. Um, I, I mean, and just you could you had me at Luka as out, right? I mean, Luka has just been absolutely dragging this team to any sort of success. And Houston, coming off a three-game losing streak, is is certainly going to win this game. I, I feel very confident in saying they're probably going to do it with some excellent defense. I mean, Jaden Hardy is now the number one option for Dallas, and he's extremely inefficient. So I, I just – that's the look here. If you did not get that opening line, though, the one place you yeah. can basically is still at FanDuel where they freeze the, the line and total. So you can still get that at minus 110. If you don't want to tease, you know, now we're down to 225 with the total. It might keep dropping. Uh, I think you're fine to tease it, though. Houston minus four. We can get the total up a little bit. Or you can just take a money line parlay with Houston. And I would add Philly and Golden State. Golden State hosting the Wizards on a back-to-back. Philly hosting Toronto and has won five straight, I believe, in the regular season against them. But, yeah, this is really about the Rockets. Like, one game without Luka this season, 99 offensive rating. That was with Kyrie active, their last four without Luka, 107 points per game, a very, very low free throw rate, which is the only thing that Houston really gives up at home. Dallas, you know, they've gone under in three of their last four with with Luka. Um, they, they don't necessarily win as underdogs at all. They're two and seven against the spread as dogs, one and four as road dogs versus eight and one as road favorites this year. Houston, like I said, the three-game losing streak, you look at what happened next. They've, they've done that three times this year. They beat Charlotte, then absolutely shut down Sacramento twice at home. The next time, three-game losing streak, back-to-back dominant wins over Memphis and Denver with a 91 defensive rating. Happened again, and they shut down OKC, won at Denver for their first road win, and then just dominated the Spurs and Grizzlies three games that all went under that all were just elite defensive performances under 100. Um, you know, 11 wins altogether after these three-game skids, all of them by 7 to 20 points. So maybe you still like the minus 8. I, I, I'm i a little wary as the, like, stars bet out bets up situation. But, I mean, Dallas, this it's not even like their second-string guards are here. Like, this is now getting down to, like, you're just trotting rookies out there, like Omax and Jaden Hardy and, like, Seth Curry might not even play here. So I, I just I think Houston's gotta hold them down. Like maybe maybe you take their team total under, but like the Houston defense should be pretty dominant tonight. Yeah, I mean, they would have to just not try, to be honest. I mean, it's not the same situation as as when stars out 
and there's a bench behind it with actual NBA rotational players because that's what we saw with Utah last night. Uh, it was after the video, but you know, everybody from Utah is ruled out, and people are like, Detroit's finally going to win. They have to. And it's like, wait, hold on, because Colin Sexton's a good NBA player. Agbaji's a good player. John Collins is playing. Walker Kessler. There's like five or six NBA players. I don't, I don't see that on the Mavs behind Luka. He's dragging their starting lineup. I mean, kudos. I do want to shout out Grant Williams, also playing like super well, So, but like – that's a player that's heavily dependent on Luca. Obviously, um, he's not going to be out there creating for anybody. It's going to be a lot of him, and I guess Dwight Powell will be out there. I, if you want to throw Seth, Seth Curry, that's just kind of cruel, I think. But if Houston should should beat them up, uh, beat up on them, there should be enough of that care in them for the fact that this is their you know state rival, whatever. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with that bet. And however you can play it, uh, knowing that it all you know ballooned in terms of the spread, obviously, but. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and take one of our uh, our newfound, you know, favorite bets. The the sort of bread and butter of this show is becoming an under for a superstar in a game that they're going to win. So I'll take Steph Curry under thirty and a half points with the Warriors money line. I mean this 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 bet was about Steph and just trying to you know be a little bit sharp on a, a too high of a total for a guy who obviously can score thirty most nights that he would really try to, but I just don't think he'll need to. And you combine that with the guarantee of them winning this game against the Wizards on a back-to-back. Very nice win for them against the Blazers last night, I guess. Uh, I, I could go into a, a whole heap of details of why they that game was just a complete travesty to the NBA and was a smear uh, on the NBA in general, but I won't. I will just say four missed layups at the end, couldn't defensive rebound free throws. Anyway, uh, we move on to this bet where Steph and the, and, the, and the Dubs, you know, they're healthy in this one. Sans Draymond, as we know, which I won't say that again because we all know he's suspended indefinitely. Um, but moving forward, this is a team that is now a little bit more of the uh, strength and numbers that we saw from them when they did win their first championship. And that was their slogan because they're just their Their strength at this point is a lot of depth beyond just Steph and clay. And they're actually starting to rely on that depth a lot more. That's why Steph has gone over in four of the last 10. And if you look at the games that he's gone over in those 10 um, and by, I guess we're at now five or six games without Draymond, you look at those games and the ones that he scores 31 points or more are the ones that he has to try or uh, the ones where actually that's it. It's just when he has to try, uh, I was going to say against only good teams, but he had to try against Portland because they were down for a while. He had to come back. Then in the, in, uh, the second, uh, the, when he did that, they were also up uh, and gave up a lead. And so he climbed over 30 at the end of the fourth quarter and what was initially a blowout game. And they just let them come back. I just can't even see that being the case against the wizards who we don't have an injury report out for them we'll probably see some of the regulars and then some guys will probably sit guys like Daniel Gafford have randomly sat back to backs this season because coming back from injury but either way like do you want want to go into the Wizards like they're just they're awful right there's not there's not much to say about them they are just going to hemorrhage points the only fear is that Steph decides he just wants to shoot a lot of threes and he makes six of them before he has to get taken out somewhere at the beginning of the fourth quarter end of the third even uh, at this point it's it's up to 14 and a half 15 and a half somewhere around there right now for the spread for that game Uh, just getting it complete yeah uh, 12. Okay, we're at 12. I was looking at a different one, but still 12. Uh, and that's because obviously the Warriors have had their struggles lately. But when you look at the, the like I said, the game log versus uh, the bad teams that they've blown out lately, like this is going to just be another indication of that. They should be getting anything they want in terms of second chance points in this one. You're going to see a lot of Jonathan Kaminga getting his. That's where I would lean for a player prop over before uh, most other places because it's uh, against the Wizards. 
other teams like the Wizards, you're just I'm looking for the guy who's crashing the boards, who's going to the rim, um, and who's just really athletic at this point because there's not much in the way of defensive athleticism for that team on the wings or you know on down low next to Gafford. So uh, the rebounds are going to be there because Gafford is just trying to block everything, even if he has no shot at blocking it, and that leaves him vulnerable to having no uh, rebounds and secondary rebounding behind him. So I, I just it, as far as the game goes, it's just all correlated that this is Steph might score and look awesome and have like a 65 percent field goal percentage in this game but i just don't know that he'll have the volume or the time on the floor to get to 31 which is a lot of points yeah absolutely i mean the warriors have some depth for coming off the bench now um and with cp3 in that second unit and everybody can score against the wizards so it's not like you know you expect pajemski to struggle like he did against the celtics and get yanked real quick like yeah they they the second unit should be doing just fine steph should be whooping it up on the bench in the second half and and, uh, you know, they, this is the front end of a back-to-back, if you didn't mention, and then they have the Nuggets on Christmas. So it's definitely like a bit of a look-ahead spot for the Warriors. And last year, at least, they handled business when they got a bad team at home. Yeah. I mean, there's there's struggles regardless. Like, it's been a bit of a tough schedule to this point. So I think this is one where, where they, they do take care of business and win pretty handily. Yeah. Uh, intriguing game here in the same conference as Phoenix at SAC. And I'm going to go with the same game parlay here. KD to get 30, De'Aaron Fox to get 25 for even money. If you want plus odds, adding Devin Booker for six assists is not a bad play here. Uh, Book has done that in eight straight. He's had seven assists in seven of those. And, you know, 16 potential assists per game in that span. And Yusuf Nurkic is out, which is actually, you know, a big underrated part of how the, the Suns have been facilitating on offense. So I think even more potential assists in, in the cards here. For book, uh, but yeah, I mean, really, what I feel most confident about is is KD scoring. Um, I mean, twenty five plus in every single game since the season opener at Golden State, and he's been much more of a road warrior. Thirty three point two points per game on the road, five percent higher in terms of usage rate. Three more minutes per game on the road he has gotten thirty in seven of his last eight roadies, averaging thirty four and a half in that span on insane shooting splits. The only exception was Alex Caruso, who is a, you know, just crazy good cross positional defender got on Durant for most of that game against the bulls and held them to just 25. So, I mean, the safest way to play this parlay is to just take KD 25 Fox 25, uh, and then sprinkle in something else that you think is likely because De'Aaron Fox also what we're talking every single game since he's returned from injury at, at home, he's had 25 plus, um, He's averaging 32 points per game in that spam. He had 34 against the Suns earlier this season in a game that KD missed, so it was lower scoring. We should see a much better scoring environment here. 244 total. Malik Monk questionable means even more needed out of Fox. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the Kings, since since he's returned, their games are averaging 250 at home. They've allowed 28-plus to the opposing top scorer in four straight. Um, so it is going to be a good environment for the Stars here and to get a same a star same game parlay if you will. Yep. I I, I was looking at the same thing for for D Fox in this situation versus Phoenix. Um uh, definitely a bit more vulnerable at that point uh, on the floor. So yeah, no no qualms with that one. I I'm, I would ride with you. I was going to make a, a bet of some kind from this and I have no problems with the way that you you constructed this. So uh I'll go ahead and close it out with an under and I I it really I I'm split a bit between Denver winning this game uh, by four points, even though they're on the road. And I know that hasn't been their bread and butter as of late. 
Um, but actually, as of more late, ter, more recently, uh, they have uh, definitely come come along on the road. So um, they're, I, I'm going to go under 231.5 in their game at Brooklyn is where I start. And I, I'm not really worried about Brooklyn the way that they've scored in other games. So like I said, I, I do have a strong lean towards Denver handling business, and it is correlated with the under because I, I, I'm also now talking myself into Brooklyn's team total under, to be honest, because that's a lot of how I see this game theory working is the the Nuggets might score. Uh, they might get 120, to be honest, but I, I don't see uh, Brooklyn getting like 110, 111, honestly. So, yeah, any way you want to play that, I'm, I'm listing here to under 231.5 as the total. Denver's playing at the fifth slowest pace in their last 10 games overall and a little bit slower on the road. Um, 97 and a half pace at home, 96 or so on the road. Brooklyn's playing at the 10th slowest themselves. Um, they, they only get sped up when they play fast teams like a Dallas or a SAC, for instance, right? And so when they do play these slightly slower half-court teams that are not really getting out in transition much is, is a huge key to this as well for, for, for Brooklyn because Brooklyn is weird. Like, they're down to get into transition or into, into the fast break and go, but they also don't really get into transition in general. It's not like when you make a basket, they're getting it and going. They're taking up the shot clock. And a lot of that is because they play a ton of iso ball. And that, that leads, that's a little bit more in-depth than just saying they play at this pace, right? Like, what's going on with them is, like I said, they've got so many versatile players that they're basically playing at the pace that not really dictated by them. Um, so I think Denver will be dictating let's play half court ball um, and Denver will be making shots, which is a huge reason like at the end of the shot clock, right? Like there's not going to be much brick and go and then keep everybody keep going, binging, you know, ping ponging back and forth uh, in, into transition. It's going to be a lot of like pragmatic and like methodical sort of offense for Denver because they know that they can get what they want down low. Um, I know that uh, Brooklyn's been better at uh, defending the paint, obviously, since Nick Claxton came back over the last like three, four weeks. Um, and they've definitely risen in the ranks, which is, was helpful for them being able to stop Denver. Um, but I still think Denver is going to be trying to pound them down low. Uh, I just don't think it's going to work as well for the entirety of the game. So the matchup and the, part of the reason they're the matchup, like I'm, what I'm trying to get at is Denver's scoring the fourth most points in the paint. Obviously, Jokic and um, and Gordon and then all the cutters are a big reason for that. Uh, but Brooklyn is sixth in limiting points in the paint at this point, which it's interesting because in the first couple weeks of the season, they were down in the bottom half. And then you get a couple guys back like DFS was hurt as well. And he's back. So that's a big part of all this is that they're down to bang down low a bit more. Um, but they're also going to give up some free throws at that point because they're probably going to have to foul uh, a lot of those bigs on on Denver. So uh, Brooklyn, they are sticks in fast break points, like I said, but they don't get into transition that frequently. It's just that they are very efficient when they do run the fast break, but that's also heavily de- dependent on teams missing a lot of shots. And as of late, Denver's uh, true shooting percentage back up to fourth best in the league, where it actually dipped a little bit when they were without Murray. Uh, and that's going to be a big reason. There's not even like really rebounds or transition points available for Brooklyn. Once you put them in the half court, then it's just it's isolation ball. And that does take up a lot of the clock. And it also isn't the mes- most efficient way uh, to play against a really good team defense that has gotten way better once KCP came back in. And is back to about a 111 and a half, 112 defensive rating, regardless regardless of location too. It's the same D rating at home and on the road. So, um, and no Ben Simmons in this game should be a huge impact. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just catching strays at the end there for Simmons. Um, no, I, I actually trust the Nets defense limiting Denver a little bit more than you're giving them credit, uh, for, for holding up this end of the bargain. Like remember the last time these teams played Nets were on a back to back after a close win, emotional win in Phoenix, and they gave up 124. We're never really competitive in the second half, but now in normal rest at home, they should do a much better job on Jokic and company 
uh, you know, their home road splits are pretty notable. 113 defensive rating at home versus 122 on the road. And it was 125 on this yep. West Coast road trip. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a tighter environment here at Barclays. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. So, Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your first play a prop. Yeah, Kevin Durant to score 30 uh, and hit two threes is the way I found to adjust the odds here. I mean, it's minus 150 at some places for him to score 30 or even to go 31. Uh, but if you just add the three pointers, you're at plus 115. And I, I think that's a little scarier maybe because some games he just doesn't shoot threes. Uh, but on average, he does hit this. He hits 2.3 on the road this season. And really since 2021, he's hitting 2.3 on the road, 45% from three versus 40% in home games. On the road this season, he scores more, four points per game more. Usage rate, 5% higher, three more minutes per game. So it's the same kind of theory that 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 the Kings are going to push the pace at home, uh, push the pace in terms of offensive efficiency. Incredibly efficient at home. Their their last ten home games are averaging two fifty, and when Durant starts to feel that pressure, he will pull above the break threes. Right, he will try to carry his team. We saw in their loss at Portland, he had forty, even though the Suns barely got over a hundred as a team. Uh, so I, I feel very confident about him getting the 30 here against a sack team that allows the fourth most threes to small forwards, also a healthy amount to power forwards, depending where you position him. Uh, in general, third worst opponent three-point percentage at home, uh, fourth most points per game. Their last nine at home in particular, allowing 42% from three. And more three-point attempts. They were doing a really good job just limiting attempts in the early part of the season. Now they're a little bit below league average in that regard. Like Durant has 30 plus in seven of his last eight roadies. I said in the best bets, you know, Alex Caruso is the only guy to stop him from doing that. Kings don't have any wing stoppers whatsoever. Um, I mean, like this is just going to be a, a tutor session for Keegan Murray or, or a reminiscing for Harrison Barnes, whatever you, whoever you want to put on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Durant here. I like Darren Fox to come right back and see some sort of a similar shootout to what we saw a couple games ago where SGA and Fox both had 40 ish. Uh, I think you could, you can go, I almost went like, let's, let's just go big odds here. Both of them to get 35 or something, Fox and Durant or 35, 30 and like get the, get the three to one or something. Cause I, I really could see that type of thing happening here. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's always high when I see 30 points, but obviously he, he climbs over this super consistently. And especially against this team, um, you talk about the road splits. I, I, I can't argue with it. Um, so yeah. Godspeed for sure, and if the two the two made threes with that, yeah, should should be pretty nice with the plus money. So, um, yeah, I actually like the threes the best, to be honest with you, as I'm as I keep looking over it. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and split the unit, and I might actually just add another half unit at some point to the to the rebounds because I'm starting to really like it. But Jokic under twenty seven and a half points, over twelve and a half rebounds, and I love when I can find this stuff, and if it hits, then you look so freaking smart because you would did this negative correlation of stats, but. Um, the under 27 and a half points, it, it, it's his low usage rate this season. And I've, I've been listening to some of the DNVR stuff, uh, their podcasts and, um, man, they're like they're, they're convinced like Jokic just isn't really trying yet. <laughs> and like, I, it's hard to argue, um, that he, that he's putting on his, his best effort. And I'm confident that this is a strategic thing that somebody has helped him with that was like, Hey, you just won your first chip. Don't worry about coming out the gate and being the best team and going 21 and three or whatever. 
worry about what happens when you get to February and March and you got to like prep for getting into April and May and you're hoping you're in like a good space physically, et cetera. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm here for that pop psychology about it, but most importantly, like it, it's just a potential explanation for the lack of usage rate that he's been uh, putting forth in, in these games uh, and especially versus Brooklyn. So in his last four versus Brooklyn, it's tw- uh, he's got a 24% usage rate um, averaging 27 a game. He's only gone over uh, this number once versus them in his last four. Um, and he's only gone over this number twice in his last 10 games. And it's something we've come back to with the points, um, especially once Murray came back and Gordon is, is fully healthy. KCP is back. The whole gang is in, is in town for, for Denver. So the usage rate for Jokic can, can be what, you know, can go down a bit. He doesn't need to, to worry about scoring nearly as much. Uh, in the past, he has seemed to score a bit more on the road, but um, that hasn't been the case this season. And it's a big reason actually why they were losing games when Murray was out and they were on their road trip. But um, like I said, in this one, it's just it's not doesn't seem to be how he he plays uh, against them. And, and we talked about it a bit earlier in the uh, the best bets video. Uh, what we talking about an under in this game because Brooklyn's defense doesn't travel well, but it plays very well at home. On the season, they have a one eleven D rating at home versus one twenty on the road, which was inflated by as you called out the one twenty five defensive rating they put up on their recent West Coast roadie. Um, and so yeah, and that's where Denver scored one hundred twenty four on them, uh, and that was on the second leg of a back to back after beating Phoenix so that Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson could get theirs uh, in revenge game, right? So um, that that's a big reason for the under, for the scoring, the, the lack of points in the paint that they're allowing as well uh, for, for the um, Nets called out how much of a difference uh, Nick Claxton makes when you get him down there. The points in the paint go down, the fouls also go up. So there's, there's free throws that could be had. But like I said, without the usage rate, I'm not too worried about it. And as far as the rebounding goes, like, yeah, 12 and a half is a lot. And I got burned trying to play this number uh, with him in a recent game. But like, this is where he should just be living is, is down there, especially on the defensive glass, where I think he's going to gobble up most of those boards. And part of that is because Aaron Gordon is going to actually be guarding guys out on the three point line a lot more. So the second best rebounder on their squad is, is actually out on Cam Johnson majority of the time, um, which is why he had zero rebounds. Aaron Gordon did in the first half of last game and only ended up with two, I believe, uh, because against the Nets, because I mean, he wasn't really needed at the end of a blowout, but he, like I said, zero in the first half. So the way that like Gordon's uh, been rebounding the season, which is at a pretty nice rate, like if he's not down there, then there's just more for, for Jokic um, and his, his potential rebounds against his team to, to just add to the point of why he's standing down there. Like he's, just always down there. He's not really worried about the three-point line nearly as much against his team. That's why his rebound chances are at, were at 26 uh, the last uh, in the last season. That's what he averaged against them in the two games. In this past game, 20 rebound chances, 14 boards. Going to gobble up most of the boards that come his way. So, Yeah, I, I really like the rebounds, I think, more than the points. Um, I mean, but you did hit this, I think, last week. You had under points, over rebounds, and, and it came home, I think, against an Eastern Conference team as well. And we talked about this, where he doesn't necessarily have to ramp up the scoring that much. There were these, these Eastern Conference teams that don't see him as much uh, overcompensate, and, and then he's able to just kind of move the ball around and put up those peripheral stats. I mean, Brooklyn coming off 101 points against the Knicks, a Knicks team that was hemorrhaging points on their West Coast road trip. Yeah. Means that uh, their offense is not really clicking. Means that maybe may more rebounding opportunities, as he highlighted. Yeah. I'm going to go Scotty Barnes over 29.5 points rebounds, uh, minus 110 at MGM here. As the Raptors are in Philly, tough task, but you know he's come to play his last three against Philly, where he's finally gotten full minutes as as a top option here. Averaging 25.7, 8.3 rebounds, also seven assists per game. I'm staying away from the assists. Uh, Philly's been limiting those to a degree. But 
as far as the points and rebounds, Scotty's topped this in six of his last nine, averaging 24 and 9.3 rebounds with a 25% usage rate. The exceptions were Miami, the Knicks when they still had Mitch Robb, and a weird doubleheader with the Hawks where the Raptors just slept through the entire game and, and did nothing to inspire confidence. But in that span, 14.5 potential rebounds per game for Scotty Barnes. Philly, in their last seven at home, are allowing the 10th most rebounds per game overall. In their last nine overall, they're up to over 100 pace, which is strange to see from a Sixers team that usually grinds it out. But that's going to lead to some more rebounding opportunities. I think the points should be there for Scotty. You know, whatever position you want to say he's going to be at, he's probably going to, you know, if Tobias gets matched up on him, he just got cross-matched onto Cat, uh, and Cat went for 23 and 13, while Gobert was shut down by Embiid. You know, if Ubre or the fossil of Mark Marcus Morris is on him, like that's barbecue chicken. You should be able to get in the offensive glass, get, score in the paint. Like basically every every position should be vulnerable depending on the matchup, except Embiid. Uh, and on the other end, though, I mean Toronto is number one limiting free throws in their last nine, so that is rebounding opportunities. If you're not letting Embiid and company parade to the free throw line, we're talking about much many more chances. I wanted to have the balls to take under 35 and a half points for Joel Embiid. 36 and a half. 36 now. Okay. Something he hasn't done in seven straight against Toronto. Jakob Pertl maybe can do a little bit against him, uh, but I am simply too scared. The man is scoring 40 every single night, regardless of matchup. Just drop 50 on Rudy Gobert. Don't do uh, it, Nate. Don't so do instead, it. yes, I'll take a positive <laughs> outcome from uh, the Raptors' most effective player. As a recent trauma victim of trying to bet under 55 and a half PRA for Luka Doncic, there are such things as superhuman beings, apparently, in the NBA right now. Two of them uh, we're talking about here, Joel and, and Luka. So, yeah, I, <laughs> don't, don't do it, Nate. I care about you. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of you for, for staving off. I thought about it too, man. It's so tempting. Uh, but it, it, it set the uh, internet ablaze the other day when people were, like, taking unders for Joel and then got a 50-burger. So it's just tough, man. It's, it's, it's tough to, to try to fade that guy right now. God bless the person who does it, and then they get it right the one time that it happens next. Uh, I, I don't know that it'll be in this one. But, yeah, the, the Scotty Barnes bet. I'm here for it. I just, I've been burned by the Raptors, man. I've got a few teams on the no bet list right now, and Raptors stuff is up there. But you keep going back to their players, and you, and you find the usage for them. Him, He and Pascal, like, that's who you're going to target if you're taking Raptors. So, like, the usage is there for him, and I, and I have no qualms with it. Um, I'm going to close out with an under for Clint Capella, CC against the Heat. It was down to either he or Trey, and I still think Trey under 32.5. Is it still 32.5? It might be 30.5 for Trey. 28.5 right now, actually. Okay, yeah, I'm not taking an under on that for Trey. He's been going absolutely bananas, dude. Uh, and his, his, even his uh, his points and assists, I think, is 39.5 now. Uh, still, bananas. Like, I can't do that. And he doesn't go over versus the Heat. You know how much I love taking Trey unders versus the Heat. We've done it pretty much ever since we started this show because he hasn't gone over in like seven straight games versus Miami uh, or one of his last eight, I should say, uh, in, in terms of points and assists combined and the points, just taking those as well. He's gone under, but can't do it. So I'm going to CC because 12 and a half is too high for Clint Capella, right? Like normally we should be seeing like nine and a half, 10 and a half. And I don't think Okongwu's out or anything. So we're still going to, he's still going to be eating into Capella's minutes. And that's why we love fading him. It also is just coming down to him playing against the heat, which he he's gone under 12, uh, his, his prop in four of the last five. And including this 12 and a half, he's gone under, um, he has, he's gotten 16 points in one game last season at home, this game in Miami. So yeah, even more reason to, to feel good about, uh, the, wait, I want to make a hundred percent sure I'm not lying 
lying to you. Yep, it is in Miami. Uh, and so the the thing with uh, with Clint too is like what we talk about. There's no usage rate. Um, there's no there's no looking for him. There's either you get into the lane and throw the lob, or he's not involved at all. And obviously that is not going to work against Bam Adebayo, who plays drop defense very well. They hedge with the wings coming over. Every, there's always six eyes on Trey, right? It, when he's playing that pick and roll against Miami, Spo obviously knows what he's doing against this team. When it comes to defending the pick and roll ball handler, and this is something we should have been bringing up over the last couple of years, but just recently found this stat over the last about year or so. So uh, the the pick and roll ball handler stuff that you can find on advanced stats on NBA is wonderful, showing how the uh, the Heat have the uh, top five defensive rating defending the ball handler specifically. Their uh, guards are obviously incredible at hedging. Uh, the big men and, and like Bam move back very well, so he's going to be able to move his feet much more quickly than Click Capella at this point. Um, and that's why they're limiting centers to the fewest, fewest points per game in the league. Most centers at this point who are true centers are not back to the basket score guys. They're go, pick and roll rim runners or pick and pop. And Clint Capella certainly is not popping anywhere, um, but he is going to roll. And that's where he, I, I just, he's not going to be effective. I said pick and roll ball handler. I meant pick and roll picker. Uh, roller is what I kept meaning, meaning to say because they are better against the roller because Bam does drop down. So that drop defense should be working against the center. Another reason that I was like, look, I can't take Trey right now. Averaging like 40 freaking points or whatever, 35 over his last like 10 games. Gone over this in 9 of 10. He's also thrown in double digit assists like crazy. Dude's going off. So yeah, I'll, I'll go under for the center in this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Trey has struggled against Miami in the past. So that's why I think you were leaning towards it. But Let's steer clear of that one, too, and just assume that, yeah, like, he won't have as much success throwing lobs to Compella, which is his only source of offense. Like, also, just, like, looking at this, like, Okongwu is, it, it's kind of like a young running back, like, taking over the snap share. Like, he's he's played more minutes than Capella the last two games. He probably has earned more minutes in general. Capella got into foul trouble against Jokic and Embiid. Um, you know, it still got over these point totals, but the minutes were dropping. And, and you look at some of the tougher matchups against good drop defenses, like the Knicks with Mitch Robb against Miami, against the the Celtics. And yeah, he's not he's nowhere near double digits, basically. And he's playing under 30 minutes a game, and a Kongwu is a better matchup for Bam. So I, I think the logic here is is sound all around. And just to add to the comparison, like... Give Jalen Warren 75% of the snaps on Pittsburgh. Like, give Okongu 75% of the snaps. What do we... It's so sad when you have a coach who, like, doesn't feel like he can just play who he wants or who would be best for the team because he's playing for his job right now and he feels more comfortable with vets. Like, you're talking to a Knicks fan who would love Tom Thibodeau to freaking open it up a bit. But that is all the time that we have for you in this one for Play a Props on Friday. Go ahead and subscribe to that page. Check out the best bets that we are also bringing you each and every weekday. Have a great weekend. And until we see you next... Happy betting.